0: to Gen X. I'm Andy
1: and I'm Ducky. Our names are fake, but our friendship is real.
0: We are two Gen Xers inviting you into our weekly deep dive into dating, sex and relationships.
1: Today we're going to talk about do you need to be alone to heal from a breakup? We're also going to talk about the app field and we're going to give you some unsolicited advice about tips for dating right after you've broken up. But first, let's do a quick checkup. Andy, what has happened to you since our last podcast?
0: I got dumped. <laughs> oh no. Um- I technically was the dumper, but I feel like it was only because he'd kind of forgotten to break up with me in a weird way. I feel like I got ghosted in our relationship and then gaslit about the fact that I was being ghosted because I kept saying, I don't think that this is going to work out. You living with the other partner in your parents' household during covid means it's going to be pretty hard for us to get together. And I've been ringing that bell since he announced that that was his plan in September. We saw each other one or two more times in October, and then I haven't seen him since October. So finally, I was like, hey, this Christmas present that I have all wrapped up for you is making me kind of depressed because like the fact that you haven't even come by to get it is really depressing, let alone the Valentine's Day present and we've been talking but it's become more of like friend check-ins than like any kind of romantic anything and this is after being pretty hot and heavy for a year so he came by and we kind of made our breakup official but even in that exchange he was like oh i miss you and i'm like no you don't no you don't if you did we wouldn't be here <laughs> you're you're and i and i was like so are you getting into like more of a monogamous kind of vibe with your other partner And he was like, well, yeah, it's just hard, you know, living at my parents, it's hard to do anything, really. Also, his parents are super religious and would love for him to stop being a poly bisexual dude and be instead a cis hetero monogamous man and just get married and have kids like his brothers did. And it seems like that's kind of what he's falling into. So I guess if that's what works for him now, I wish him well. But it was a bummer. And I wish that he had just been able to admit to me months ago that was a reality because when I kept saying that's what's going to happen he kept saying no 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 I really feel so special about you I think he'd like to hold on to the idea of being poly but in practice it's just maybe too hard especially when you're living with your parents so that's where we're at it was a bummer for me though
1: especially living with your religious parents and he has another Girlfriend, right? He has another. Yeah, he has another female partner.
0: He does, and she is living with him and his parents because they both got laid off during COVID, and they had been roommates all throughout his other relationship and our my relationship with him. And she and I have met. In fact, she and I and my other boyfriend all spent Halloween together playing Magic: The Gathering in the wee small hours of the night because his parents were out of town, and we felt like it would be safe to see them since they hadn't been going anywhere or doing anything. Yeah. So everybody gets along and everybody sounds like they're cool with polyamory, but it's hard not to fall into monogamous patterns, especially when you're at an age when you are thinking about trying to have a family. And I suppose, you know, since both of them are 30, they are kind of around that age. They both want that. Maybe it's a lesson to me not to date so young.
1: (laughs) I was going to say that's that's quite younger. I and know. Congratulations on that. Thanks. <laughs> Someone told me that I should be dating people that are in their late 20s, early 30s. And I was like, but those people want a family. Like, I don't want to have another family. That excludes most women of that age group for me. But also I'm like, eh, when I talk to these people about i don't know not that i am not up with what the young people are doing these days (laughs) how do you do fellow kids (laughs) i tend to date like late 30s and mostly 40s for me i
0: feel like we can talk about like an age conversation in another episode because yeah there's all kinds of stuff to unpack with respect to age both of my partners are significantly younger than me, as was my previous husband. And I think there's actually something to that that maybe we'll get into today when we're talking about like, our topic of, you know, how long you need to heal, because this kind of came up for me when I had a conversation with a good friend of mine, who believes that you should be single for a while after any significant relationship to process and heal. And, I took the position of why do I have to not have sex and not be in a relationship in order to process feelings and emotions from the last relationship? I can see that, like, especially if there was trauma, then yes, maybe, but I don't know, I, I, I kind of go back and forth in my own mind. So I'm excited to unpack that today with you. But before we get into that topic, Ducky, what's going on for you this week?
1: So for me, this week has been a, a much quieter week than yours in ducky dating land. I have been talking to the the new lady who had reached out to me via Facebook, and we're going to call her Allie because that is Daniel-san's girlfriend from The Karate Kid.
0: I love that character. Very well played by Elizabeth Shue, I think.
1: The amazing Elizabeth Shue, you are correct, who is so great in pretty much everything.
0: Yeah, I love her to this day. Agreed.
1: (laughs) You and I together would date Elizabeth Shue.
0: We found an overlap that very rarely happens. Okay. Oh my hey. God! Yes, Elizabeth Shoe, you've made the list. Wood Elizabeth Shoe, okay. if you're
1: listening, <laughs> email us at g e n e x p o d at. If you're interested g-m-m.
0: in a a g a Gen X sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> You get to be the meat, girl.
1: I had another video date with Allie uh, that was extremely long and became extremely spicy at times. Clothing was removed items were uh, displayed. We had a really good, sexy video date for once, and I, I don't think I've ever had a sexy video date. Usually they're kind of an intro to like, okay, let's let's meet and do something else, but this one was like, hey, let's torment each other by teasing each other and hopefully we'll be both vaccinated soon and can see each other. So Super that, that was... That was the highlight of my week.
0: I have a question for you. Yes. Did you bring up the topic of fantasies and fantasy talk about threesomes? Did that come up? Because we talked about that last week.
1: We did talk about that last week. This was not the time to do that. I thought last week we had discussed maybe doing that after actual consummated sex in that like hazy bubble where you're like, oh, that was fantastic, this is amazing. What else do you want to do? I'm kind of waiting for that moment.
0: Well, I'm really excited to hear that Ali is a video vixen, video chat vixen. And I think that like if there's somebody in your rotation right now who might be game for a threesome, she seems like a very likely candidate. So I'm crossing my fingers for you, to uh, check that box at some point.
1: I do have a minor update on that, ties into the app that we're reviewing later in the show, Field. Oh. So I had a woman match with me several months ago on OKCupid okay and kind of match, and I kind of thought she was OK seemed a little vanilla, but I didn't say no. So she's just kind of been sitting in my match queue. I found her on field yesterday and was like, huh, this is a very different side of you because she's like, I'm game for all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, Okay, maybe I've rethought <laughs> who you are. And of course, one of those things was threesomes. And so I was like, okay, let me go back to OK Cupid and match with you and send you a note. So we shall see what happens there.
0: Very spicy. Okay, you know what? You 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 kind of like are playing like you've had like a minor leap boring week but these are big spicy updates i'm very excited for all of this you're planting seeds for later sexual exploits that i'm a fan of so i want to say this is all awesome and i'm gonna stay tuned because i'm really curious how all of those pan out for
1: you we shall see i mean it's been interesting in that having to overcome one of my own hang-ups from having dated back in Ye olden times where if you had your Allie and she was flirting and doing all these things, that would be your like ride or die. You'd be like, okay, well, you know, I, I'm now dating this person. I would mm-hmm. definitely have not been looking around for other dates. But now I feel like, especially because Allie doesn't live in the same city that I'm in, I feel like I could be still looking around at other people at other other opportunities in case that doesn't work out or whatever. Even
0: if it does work out. I mean, she lives in a different city. I'm imagining like possibly even a different state. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so like, even if it does work out pretty well, you're an established person with a life where you live, and she's an established person with the life where she lives. It's unlikely, even if it works out really well, and you have, you know, a fabulous time together, th- that either of you are going to instantly want to uproot your lives for the other person. So even if it works out well, for the foreseeable future, probably just be a comet in each other's life, like somebody who streaks in the sky every couple of months, or maybe once a year, you You're not in each other's day-to-day orbit, but you streak through the sky, burn really bright, and you're super shiny and awesome. And you have these lovely feelings about each other, but it's not going to be a day-to-day relationship because you're so far away. If things go incredibly well for months in that scenario where you're like a comet in each other's lives and then you can't keep waiting until the, the next time the comet swings into your orbit, then, you know, maybe something will happen. But given that you're, you're likely to only be comets to each other, and that's if and only if things go incredibly well, yeah, of course it makes sense to keep looking for other stuff.
1: I think mean, this all makes logical sense, but at least for me it still feels kind of strange to be like, oh, I'm having these really serious conversations with one woman. How can I also be having serious conversations with another? But that is dating in 2021. Welcome to this century, grandpa. That is (laughs) how the game is played now. And I'm just still getting used to that. So I'm just admitting that before we move on to today's topic.
0: Today's topic is the question Do you need to be alone to heal from a breakup? Is there a certain magic time that you need to carve out for yourself where you don't do any dating, you don't get on any apps? Is this mandatory? Do people heal differently? There's a lot of different schools of thought around this. So I had a conversation with a a girlfriend of mine recently who believes very strongly that after any significant relationship, and I'm not going to find a time to that because what's significant to one person may be insignificant to the next, but something that really felt like a meaningful relationship in your life, her hypothesis is that you have to be alone after that, get to know yourself again, get okay with being alone again, and possibly that's you know good so that you don't go shopping while hungry, I guess, but really so that you can heal from any trauma that happened in that relationship. Even before I was polyamorous, I was always basically of the mindset that the best way to get over a guy is to get under another one. And I've been a sort of a serial monogamist when I was into monogamy going from relationship to relationship. And now as a person engaged in a polyamorous configuration, I have a relationship happening. And it was really lovely actually to experience a breakup and then be able to go over to my other partner's house to lick my wounds and have them licked, so to speak.
1: (laughs) There's just so long you can lick your own wounds before you want to lick (laughs) Other things,
0: <laughs> exactly. I can't. I just. I do yoga, but I'm not that flexible. I don't think you need to be alone to heal. Now, you know, this is this is coming from a perspective where I haven't been in a relationship where I've been physically or verbally abused. At least not since college. One could argue that my marriage ended in a kind of verbally abusive way. B- things had gotten so bad that I think we were both saying a lot of shitty things to each other. And now I'm at a place where I feel pretty processed. My, my, my marriage part is at least is pretty processed.
1: How long have you been divorced now?
0: I got divorced in 2017. So I guess it's been almost four years now.
1: That's a pretty long time to have processed, I would well, imagine.
0: Well, yeah, but I was dating the entire time. Mm-hmm. I started dating as early, like, I guess we, he... Ended things in April, and I started dating as early as, like, the summer.
1: Do you you think that you would have gotten over... Your ex faster if you hadn't been dating? Or do you think that it actually helped you get over him faster because you were? Because those are really the two schools, right? One is Mm -hmm. lick your wounds, learn everything about yourself, heal, meditate, lift weights. These are all the things that guys are told to do lose weight, work on yourself, go to therapy, do yoga, all those things where you're supposed to be by yourself. Or the competing theory is you. You could do some of that, but you should also be dating. That's how you're going to heal because you get over someone by getting under someone.
0: Yeah. So for me, I was doing all of that. I was going to yoga. I actually was going to a divorce support group with a bunch of newly divorced folks of varying ages and socioeconomic backgrounds and all of us like sharing everything from legal advice to just like the emotional processing of a divorce. It was really that divorce group therapy was super helpful. I also was going through to uh, my own one on one therapy. And I was doing yoga and I was going for long hikes with girlfriends. And I also started dating. And for me, dating really, I have to say played a big role in maybe not healing from the relationship, but helping me discover and explore new facets of myself, which I think really is what dating is all about. I always fantasized about women, and I was always kind of afraid to go there. And I finally gave myself permission to go there. I was always afraid of kinkier sex, things that didn't happen in the rom com with Meg Ryan, bondage, you know, anything rough, choking, anal, like anything outside of what I saw basically in rom coms, I was a little bit afraid of and didn't explore during my 13 year marriage at all. And so I felt like, gosh, I I really want to see what of those things are part of my sexual landscape. What in this world of kink would turn me on? What in this world of gender fluidity actually maps with my sexual attraction and and, and predilections? And now that I don't have any interest in getting married or having children, do I need to find the one? Or does it make sense to find somebody for today? And I at first, when I started dating, I kind of said to myself and anybody I matched with, I am not looking for, you know, a long term relationship, all I can offer you is one incredible day, I can offer you 24 hours of the girlfriend experience that will blow your mind, because I actually make an incredible girlfriend, as almost all my partners, and even my husband will tell you, I was an amazing girlfriend. I still am an amazing girlfriend. And I can offer that for a day, but I didn't want to have commitment. So for me, the idea of exploring and dating to see what what out there really fit me was perfect for my healing. But that might not be the case for everybody.
1: As you have gone farther away from your divorce, have you have you felt like the relationships have gotten deeper and longer? Or like when you were started dating, you, you said, okay, I'm going to give you this 24 hours, but then some of those people turned into longer-term things? Or was it that you had to go through this period of very short-term encounters and then eventually get to longer-term partners?
0: To be honest, my entire way of thinking about partners and relationships changed so much that I have partners from the early days of my exploration who I'm still friends with. And now that vaccinations are starting to happen, he's been traveling the world and everywhere he goes, he's invited me to join him for a weekend. In fact, when I was lamenting that I needed to fuck my way into a new passport to get out of this shithole country under Trump, he offered to marry me and give me a uh, Portuguese citizenship. And I was like, I might only get married for citizenship. If you're cool with that, I don't want to actually be married, married, but I'd be maybe married for citizenship. I hope that there's no federal agents listening. I didn't do this, BT dubs, so don't come and prosecute me. Oh, you don't even know my name. (laughs) Yeah, so I still have a a relationship with him, although he's a comet because he's not been back to LA in a couple of years. Another partner helped me set up a a situation where I turned my backyard into an urban glamping and hooked me up with like a a cool camper that I could rent out. Helped me like financially manage my life during divorce, because of that setup, I was able to keep my house. Right now he's out on the other side of the country and he and I are still family. We're not romantically involved. He's dating this wonderful woman named, I'll call her Jennifer. good 80s name. And we get along fabulously. I super support his relationship with her. And truthfully, he and I just never really clicked sexually, even though we love each other. But I consider him family now. In fact, he still gets his mail here because he's a van life guy and I'm his PO box. So it's not that the relationships fell off. And now I'm in a one that just stuck in weird way, they kind of all stuck. But what I got is to a place where I no longer have to have the relationship end up as the one. And so each relationship evolves into whatever it's meant to be. One guy is a long distance, long-term comet. And anytime he's in LA, I will probably meet up with him because he's a great guy. And if I can travel to go visit him at some point, I will because he's in all these... Incredibly glamorous places. I'm thinking of doing a road trip to go visit the van life friend who was a former lover. And my partner, Brad, I actually met under the pretext of potentially having a threesome with him and his then girlfriend. They've since broken up, and three years later, we're still together. It's crazy how flexible relationship structures can be and how beautiful and diverse they can be if you don't try to force every person you you date into the same path that's going to lead to together forever till death do us part
1: and i think being the age that we are and the fact that we're not gonna have kids but that's probably a healthier way to look at dating and life and at this point. I mean, there may be a time when we're twenty years older than we are now that we, hey, we may want a person that's take us to the end kind of thing. But but our one and done fantasy is gone. The fact that both you and I are divorced, like that is that's that's shattered. Like that's never yeah. coming back. So what you put in place of that is you can either keep scrambling for that or you can try other things. I know for myself, I'm in the try other things. I don't expect to find just one person who's going to be my end all be all. If that happens, awesome. That's great. That's amazing. But I'm just not expecting that anymore. I'm expecting this person's going to be in my life for a certain amount of time. I don't know how much time that is. Maybe it's a night. Maybe it's... Forever. I don't know. And so kind of approaching it with that kind of open-mindedness, I think is really important. Now, as to the actual topic that we have today, whether it's good to lick your wounds or lick other people's other stuff.
0: (laughs) Or have other people lick your wounds.
1: (laughs) Or have other people lick your wounds, right? As to that, I'm definitely of two minds. I think that that there does have to be some kind of reckoning and mourning within yourself that I feel has to happen. Otherwise, you're going to keep repeating the same patterns. You're going to keep doing the same things you're going to get stuck in the past looking for that one or trying to replace that person with the exact same person or treating any new person like the old person. Like I feel like there's a lot that that you do need to process there. That being said, I also think that there's something to be said about dating because there's a lot of stuff you cannot do on your own because you can't have a relationship with yourself. It is only while being in a relationship that you can even, and start to address those things because some of it is communication dynamics or the type of relationship that you have. I can't model dating by myself. It just doesn't work that way. For me, having some blend of the two is kind of where I've fallen on that spectrum.
0: Okay, I want to agree and disagree and disagree. (laughs) So I agree. I think a blend is important. And you said something about you have to do the work internally internally. Regardless of whether you're going to date right away or wait, the key, I think, is that internal work. And so for me, that was going to yoga, going to my regular therapist, going to divorce support group therapy, and the internal just processing that happened in my head while I was in the shower, sometimes consciously during meditation, sometimes subconsciously while gardening. That work to process my divorce happened in parallel. There was also something I saw in the divorce support group that really underscores exactly that, that you have to do the work regardless of whether or not you date. And the proof of that is the guy who ran this divorce support group, he was running this group for 25 years. And so you could join the group, be with the group for six months, get the healing and whatever you needed and stop coming to the group. But he just kept the group going. And because it was running for 25 years, he had people in the group who had gotten married, gone through a terrible divorce, joined the group got married again, got divorced again, went through the group therapy again. And the problems they brought to the table were the exact same issues. And what the moderator was really great at pointing out was you bring your shit with you. So if there was a problem of lack of communication in your marriage, you need to work on your own communication skills before you can expect to have good communication in your next relationship. Because even if you think, oh, it's all the other person, there's something equally off in you that attracted you to that person and made you comfortable in that relationship where communication was off for however long until it wasn't tolerable for the both of you. And you're going to bring that to the next relationship unless you work on it. So I definitely think it's important for people to process their own shit. I also agree that it's possible to do that while you're dating. But the other thing that I wanna disagree with is, you said you can't model a you know relationship with yourself. I disagree. I When I think about my own constellation of partners, my primary relationship is actually with me. And when you said, oh, you can't communicate with yourself, I disagree there as well, because the inner monologue that you're having with yourself is a a form of communication. You might hear a negative voice in your head and then like you hear another voice going, oh, you know, shut up. That outfit looks terrible. Well, what if we wear it with a belt? That's your own communication with yourself. That's just a dumb example. But I think it is possible for us to model the way that we want to show up in a relationship with ourselves. So, you know, if you want somebody to be very present with you and not be distracted on their phone, well, how present are you with yourself? If you're watching TV, are you also multitasking and digging around on your phone? Or are you actually being present, even just to watch a movie? Are you giving yourself the space to focus on the movie or focus on the garden and not try to be like everywhere at once? So yeah, I do think you can you can practice relationship goals with yourself. But The magic of other people is that they bring out new colors and new dimensions to your personality that you can't know until you meet that other person.
1: And that's kind of what I was getting at. I mean, sure, you can think about certain situations. And yes, you can definitely model good behavior for yourself. But with with an actual other person or persons, they bring all different kinds of things to the relationship that you may or may not have encountered in the past. And so some of that is, how do I respond to this? How do I think about this? Is this triggering me? Am I acting like I did with my ex? And some of that is pretty hard, at least hard for me to model in my own brain before it happens to me because you're often you're out in a you're in a public space and something happens and you get triggered and it's super stressful and all those kinds of things and it brings up Brings up grief and all those kinds of things for me are, are just very hard to try to do alone. Some of that healing, I feel like, has to happen with someone else. Now, I also want to say that as the one who was asked to leave in the divorce, for me, I needed to know that someone, or actually more like many ones, were still attracted to me, that I was a, still a desirable person. And some of that actually had to be done in a a relationship. I had to have a girlfriend for a little while before I was like, okay, I can be a boyfriend. I can do this again. I'm not stuck as a middle-aged dude who's the rest of my life, especially the rest of my sexual life, is now in the toilet. I had to have that confidence rebuilt for me. And the only way that I could really do that was with someone else. And I wouldn't say it's a rebound relationship because it wasn't really that. Like I had a lot of shorter relationships before I had this longer relationship. If by longer, I mean like two months. But just having that Regularity and it's like oh I can I can do this I can be this person and there was no way that I could have experienced that myself and it was super healing. I stopped waking up every morning sad. That was a huge win for me. Was not waking up and just being sad like very first thing in the morning. Whereas like oh I'm in this new place with no one here and woe is me. Having that relationship made a big difference to me.
0: Yeah, I would love. Love if we could stop as a culture shaming people for having that need for sexual validation, especially after a big breakup or a divorce. It often is true that in the weeks and months leading up to the breakup, maybe you stopped having sex altogether. The bedroom might have become the coldest room in your house. And there's nothing worse than laying next to somebody who said they were gonna love you till the day you died and they don't want to touch you. So it can make you feel really ugly, used up, and In my case, as a woman, one of the foundational reasons that our marriage could not sustain long term was that when we originally got married, we were both very into the idea of having kids. And we experienced infertility. And it was a crack in our foundation that we could never, ever bounce back from. We went to therapy. We both took on unhealthy coping strategies that ranged from expensive hobbies, workaholism, and in my case, I have to admit, an affair. And all of those things came to light. But the real underlying thing was the big existential fuck you that nature did not think we meant we were a good match, not good enough to continue our genetics together. And so the idea of feeling like I'm not sexually viable anymore cuz I'm I'm not sexually viable enough to actually have a kid. It really like was a hit to my self-esteem. And so feeling sexual again and feeling desired not for my ability to have children but for my ability to experience pleasure, that was really important for me to heal. So again, I think that that was something that I would agree with you on. You can't get that just from, you know, meditating and feeling good about yourself. There's, there's a certain kind of confidence that you can only get when somebody has really given you a fabulous sexual experience, or you've given each other a fabulous ex- sexual experience. In the same way that if you pay, play basketball with somebody, and you give each other what is it called when you like do a layup (laughs) like you have that high five moment and you both feel great that's the kind of thing that you can't get by yourself
1: absolutely i mean my fleshlight is not going to give me that kind of confidence
0: (gasps) oh you have a fleshlight oh my gosh we have to do an entire episode on sex toys
1: i'm actually kidding i don't have a fleshlight okay (laughs) (laughs) maybe
0: you should get one they're awesome
1: fleshlight (laughs) is just a funny word to say so i saying it a lot.
0: Dude, Um, it's way more than a funny word. They can be a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) I I am sure.
0: I want to say all of this makes sense if you've been in a relationship that had kind of a garden variety beginning, middle and an end. If you did experience trauma or abuse in your relationship, I think the rules are slightly different. I do think that there can be a lot of trauma that maybe it's not necessarily that you aren't ready to date because you aren't processing. Of course, you're processing, but you might want to wait to date a little bit so that when you're on a date, you're not freaking somebody out by unpacking all of that with them on a first date. You don't want to like start talking about how your abusive ex used to do XYZ to you because not that it's anything for you to necessarily be shamed about because they perpetrated these acts. But you need to get to a place where you can see that as a thing that happened and not feel like you are the victim of those things. It's a thing that happened in your life and that you've processed and worked on and now can recognize when you meet other people. But if you're unpacking that on dates, that's maybe not a good look. And you probably have a lot more deep healing to do that would require more extensive therapy than just a few sessions. So I would say... This advice of doing a co- combination of dating and processing at the same time can work for most people. But if there's trauma or abuse, you probably want to do a little bit of a dating pause and get to the real root of what were the what were the red flags that you want to be aware of and healthy about so that when you see those things in in future, you don't get caught up into the similar into those similar patterns.
1: Absolutely. I think the more trauma that there is and the divorce itself can actually cause some of that trauma trauma, particularly for men. I think that there's a lot of trauma because men do not have the same social structures that women have. Men rely a lot on their spouse for a lot of emotional support and don't have the same kind of coping mechanisms after a divorce. This is not, of course, to say that divorce cannot be traumatic for women because Absolutely, it can, particularly if there's abuse. But statistically, divorce does hit men harder. And I'm guessing it's because of this lack of support system and lack of emotional tools to deal with your grief and other issues.
0: Yeah, I actually saw a stat and I don't know where I ever saw this or if it's true. So you know, feel free to correct me internet if I'm wrong about this. But I saw a stat once that after divorce, a woman's life expectancy goes up and a man's life expectancy goes down. Because of that, I think emotional support, that's what they were theorizing and hypothesizing in the piece about this. So much of the emotional well-being of a, a man is tied up in the relationship he has with his wife. And also a lot of institutional memory about just how to organize his adult life is oftentimes tied up as part of the woman's responsibility and the relationship. Certainly, that's not true in all relationships, but that can be kind of common in many cis hetero configurations.
1: How long... Is there a good amount of time to work on yourself before you start dating again? Because there's a lot of competing things about this, too, where it's like, oh, immediately get back out on the horse and start dating immediately. And some people are like, yeah, give yourself a couple months to process and, and get stuff together. For me, I don't know if there is a one size fits all here. I think it does have to do with what we were talking about, like the, the amount of trauma and the amount of grief and Probably the amount of intertwineness that you had with your partner, I think it just takes a while to kind of to unravel those if you've had a long partnership or if you've had a lot of trauma or those.
0: I would be very hesitant to say this is the right number. I think that this is a question that each person has to answer for themselves. And what I would love is as a culture, we we should stop slut shaming people who decide to start dating right away. And instead of accusing those people people like myself, of being shallow or sex obsessed, recognize that sexual validation is part of the healing, especially after a a divorce or a significant breakup. And you don't know what's going on internally for a person. You don't know what other work that they might be doing. So let's not shame each other about each other's choices. Instead, let's be responsible friends and say, Wow, it's exciting that you're dating. How's that going? How are you feeling? Let's talk about it if you want to. Happy to unpack that with you. Be an aid to the other types of healing that can occur which is like talking things out with a friend or just doing activities and and being together and giving them the quality time that they no longer get from their former loved one that can be a more healthy way to approach it rather than saying you've got to give yourself this amount of time you know or this is the equation that you have to follow if you were with somebody for 10 years you need 10 months there there is no magic number and it's a different different answer for everybody so I would say there's the, the the better thing for us to do would be to say let's just be kind to each other and let each other answer the question for ourselves and. If you disagree with how a friend is is going about their own healing, ask them about the parts that you're worried about and make sure that they know that you care about them. But you don't need to judge them or shame them for dating or taking too long to date. Some people don't want to get back out there. Some people want to hibernate for a little bit. And the idea of putting together a social profile and going and like sitting across the table and trying to like tell your life story from the beginning again, just makes people just... Ugh. And let's not rush those folks. There's nothing to say that they can't live completely awesome, happy, fulfilled lives without ever dating again. You don't have to date. But if you're at that stage where it's going to be fun for you, or you are curious, or you think it could be helpful to your healing, or you just want to fuck, there's nothing wrong with that. And we don't need to be putting judgment on people when they're already going through a hard time.
1: I particularly love those formulas that people have. For every year that you were together, you need to spend 1.67 months alone doing the work. And I'm like, that's nonsense. You're pulling that out of your ass. I don't believe it.
0: Absolute garbage. And I, I will say this. I actually have been married twice and my first husband passed away. He had cancer and he died very young. I was grieving his loss the entire last year of his life. Every day was a piece of the grieving process for me. And after he passed, I started dating. No, that's not true. I never dated, actually. I ended up marrying the very first person I slept with after he passed away. And that only occurred a few short months after he passed away. I met this new person, we had this whirlwind romance, and that ended up being my second husband. And we were together for 13 years. The first half of our marriage was wildly happy. And you know, everybody you know, with their conventional wisdom of well, first, you have to have your rebound relationship, and then you have to date for a while. And that's, of course, after you've had some time to process and be alone. None of that held much water when I was suddenly engaged to somebody really awesome. Awesome. And then, when I was married to somebody really awesome, and then when I had a really fantastic relationship with somebody that was really awesome, none of that applied. So, those rules are silly. They're as silly as the old rules of you can't call a person until three days after they've given you their number, or you're not supposed to sleep with a person until at least this many dates. You know, that's just bullshit. That's a script that somebody else wrote for your life that you no longer need to actually follow. Listen to yourself, listen to your instincts. If you feel you're ready to date, date? What's the worst that can happen? You have a bad date, then you stop dating and you wait for a little bit. Or if you're like, Oh, this is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying this. Well, then great. Good for you. Just listen to yourself. Okay, so now it's time for us to do our app review. And I'm really excited about today's app review because we're going to be reviewing what has been my favorite dating app since I got divorced. It's called field F-E-E-L-D. And we're both on it, which is unusual because we have kind of slightly different dating styles. But this is one where we overlap. So I'd love to hear about your experience with it, Ducky.
1: So I got on this app at your urging, I think. So I downloaded it, put up my picture, put in my interests, and then you put in your desires. And those desires are usually of the... Alternative nature. I desire, you know, threesomes. I desire bondage. I desire kink. I desire rope play. I desire whatever you can name, you can put it in there. I have had zero luck with this app because I think most of the people that I have found and seen on it are 20 years my junior and they don't want to do kinky stuff with grandpa. I have gotten like very little response to anything that I have put out on this app. Now, granted, I have not tried very hard, no pun intended, to get something on this app. I just kind of put my profile out there and I swipe around that I like people, that I've had like no discussions, no really anything. I'm assuming is extremely different than you.
0: Yeah, I've had incredible luck with this app. I mentioned, you know, the partner earlier in this episode, who's been traveling the world, who I probably will go and visit at some point. I mentioned another partner, this van life guy that's living across the country doing van conversions, who I'm still really, really good friends with. My current partner, and the one that I just broke up, I've met both of them on field. I met both of them while they were both paired with their partner's profile. So one of the things that I really like about field and what got me intrigued with field in the first place was it used to be called Thrender. And it was for couples looking for a third or a third looking for a couple. And what I love about it to this day is that it's opened up and much more broad so when you're setting up your profile you can put your gender as male female female trans male trans a two gender two spirit pansexual agender there's like a giant laundry list of genders and sexual preferences that you can choose from. So whatever niche that you feel comfortable identifying, mm-hmm. it's there on field. And you can find other folks who identify in that niche and are looking for similar things. And you can change it all the time. So sometimes I'm just looking for dudes. Sometimes I'm just looking for ladies. Sometimes I'm looking for couples. Sometimes I'm looking for couples made of just ladies. There's all kinds of fun I can find and connect with on field. Um, as a woman, woman I definitely have I think an easier time dating in general because that's just how the cookie crumbles
1: you are also a beautiful woman and I look like me
0: (laughs) (laughs) no 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 I look like a normal 48 year old woman and I tell the truth about my age and my profile and I was actually I set my age on field to 28 to 58 so I go 10 years higher and 20 years younger And I am constantly flabbergasted by getting hit up by guys as young as 19, women as young as 19, really young people. And I'm, I don't look that young. And I again tell the truth on my age, but the whole MILF cougar phenomenon fetish, thank God for it. Previously, any but any woman over 35 was like kind of like in this weird untouchable land. Like I think they even did like a TV sketch I saw once where everybody was like mourning their last fuckable day as a woman. And now it's like there's so much fetishization to for older women, and I am here for it. So I use that to my advantage, even though I'm not a mom, I can maybe like play into that MILF fantasy. And I will say there are lots and lots of 20 something, 30 something women who are looking for a older guy or to join an older couple, because they have kind of those fantasies too. And while there are still a overwhelming majority of, of women in their late third, late 20s, early 30s who are looking to have a family one of the interesting things about millennials and definitely about Gen Z is that they are not as focused on the idea of getting married and having a family. And so I have found a lot of affinity with people who are like 28 to 30 in terms of they don't want to get married, they don't want to have kids. And I'm like, great, me neither. (laughs) Field has allowed me to explore lots and lots of different fantasy scenarios that I wanted to engage in. And it's, Allowed me to connect with a really diverse population of people from all over the world, from Israel, from Germany, from Hungary. Like it, it's just been beautiful, and I love it. and And I have both my my most recent dead relationship and my still ongoing relationship to thank for field. So I would say two thumbs up and maybe two toes as well for me. Field is awesome. How does field
1: compare for you with Okay Cupid, which we reviewed last week and you're fairly new on, but also allows you to do the kinds of things that you were celebrating about field. Mm-hmm. Like you could put in all different kinds of genders. You can look for both men and women. You can be you can say you're poly, all those kinds of things.
0: The jury's still out on OK Cupid. I did give OK Cupid a thumbs up. Um, because of all those things. And I will say, OkCupid is more platform fluid from going from desktop to mobile, whereas field is mobile only, and it's glitchy and buggy as hell. I am a fan of field because of the people I've met on field who are very open minded, very forthcoming, the conversations about STIs, COVID safety, consent, partner awareness that everybody's very transparent and not lying to each other that's my sense on okay cupid I think there's, because you have to write a much more long profile and answer all these questions, there's an emphasis on presenting yourself as very clever, (laughs) and that sometimes can be a false front. What I like about Field is that it's a little bit more like swipe. You just swipe and kind of get a vibe and usually a short bio and that's it. And then you meet up and decide the old-fashioned way if there's real chemistry. Maybe long-term, I'll have better luck with the algorithms on OkCupid and find some somebody amazing. But heretofore, I haven't really matched with anybody that spectacular on OK Cupid yet, and since I'm not so thirsty, I don't know if I will. We'll see. Field is buggy as hell, but the people are so quality that I overlook it.
1: Field does seem kind of janky. Feels like it was made over a weekend. Your your brother's college friend was the developer on it. I'm I'm definitely staying on Field. I'm definitely, I'm now paying for Field. So I'm going to give it another month or two just to see if anything shakes out of it.
0: If you want to send me your profile, if you feel comfortable, you can send me your profile and I'll give you my honest feedback as to what you might want to tweak in order to get more traction.
1: Oh, please. We will in the future do a profile tuning episode for sure.
0: Yes, we will.
1: Great. So Field for you two thumbs up and two toes up for me two two thumbs two toes i'm gonna put uh i'm I'm sideways on it at this point (laughs) i'm not totally against it in the way that i was with (laughs) with some of our previous apps (laughs) who will who will go unnamed so i'm still i'm still hoping that there's some sweet millennials who want a, a lovely older gentleman to to join them. We shall see if that ever pans out.
0: I feel confident it will. Given the amount of younger women I've seen looking for more mature guys, it's definitely possible. Let's, let's hope that we can set the bait properly for you to catch that kind of
1: <laughs> attention.
0: Okay, so now we have our unsolicited advice for the day. And that is... Who should you date right after a breakup? Anybody want to guess?
1: I think you should date someone who is exactly like your ex immediately after a breakup.
0: (laughs) No, you already had that flavor. You should date somebody outside of your type. For me, dating outside my type, I went so far outside of type that I actually ended up dating a woman. And I'm still exploring the new facets of myself that that brings out. It's a good idea to just see what it's like to date somebody who's 180 degrees away from your last relationship and see how well you vibe with them. Or if you always go for, you know, like the strong, silent type, what if you go for somebody who's really in touch with their feelings for a change? What would that be like?
1: I have definitely tried to widen my aperture, of Mm -hmm. people that I would normally be interested in or not. And some of that widening has been, yeah, it's been body type, it's been personality, has been a word that we can't really even say here in America, class, which has (gasps) been very interesting. It's also still, it's recalibrating myself. This is what I really like, and I'm not doing it just because that was what my ex was like. I'm reconfirming yay. This is I I really like people that look like this, or I really like people that wear glasses. Whatever it is, it's like, okay, I'm dating that. And it's it's not just because of old habit. I'm deliberately breaking out of my shell.
0: So the advice is deconstruct your patterns by breaking your patterns and dating outside your of your type. And then you'll know what, what about that type is really like so important for you and you'll have it more dialed in or you'll be like wow I have a wider aperture now and now instead of only focusing on guys that are 6'4 which by the way was my type for forever I can see an entire topiary landscape uh, uh, an entire new topography of heights and genders and body shapes that previously were invisible to me because all I ever noticed was guys who were tall skinny minis like if you were a skinny six foot four dude you were on my radar and i was on yours and now i see everybody and it's it's almost overwhelming how sexy the world is (laughs) but yeah it can be a lot of fun so date outside of your type for maximum fun and enjoyment
1: okay sexy exes Thanks for listening to Gen X.
0: We'd love to get to know you. Got feedback or comments on the show? Want advice on a situation in your life? Email us, genxpod at gmail.com. That's G-E-N-E-X-P-O-D at gmail.com. Whether you're Generation X, Z, or Gen Y not, we want to hear about you. What grinds your gears? What gets you off? And what do you love and hate about dating and relationships in this crazy world? Until next time, be excellent to each other.